All right, question to all of you. Who in this room uh, enjoys superhero movies and shows, Casey, I know you do, um, that are about the, the beginnings of how a superhero becomes a superhero? Uh, who, who enjoys those kind of shows, like an origin story movie? Casey, you better, come on, man. He's like, he, he, yeah, Casey loves it. Keep him up, keep him up. Let me see you. We can geek out for this for a moment. You're like, no, not me. No. Um, I do. I really do. Okay, you put your hands down. Um, I love origin story movies, movies about how somebody got to where they go, right, to where they ended up. Um, uh, they amaze us. They kind of, you know, draw us in. And they answer the question, how did they get to where they are today, right? Um, this is our origin story today, this morning. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But uh, in Acts chapter 2, it's the origin story of the first Christians and the very first church service. Um, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to get to our main text in a moment. But in Acts 2, the church has their first gathering. And uh, the Apostle Peter, who was just an uneducated, uh, you know, uh, fisherman, brash, uh, uh, you know, guy, he had a lot of rough edges to him. He stands up. And he gives the very first Christian sermon uh, that anyone ever heard. And it was amazing. And it happened a few weeks after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And I want to just summarize his message for you today. He said this, Then Peter stood up uh, with the 11 disciples. He raised his voice and said, uh, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. To everyone in the room, let me explain this to you, he says. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. With many of the words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. Those who accepted his message were baptized, uh, and, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, this is an amazing moment. It's amazing because Peter was just, again, uh, uneducated, fisherman, brash, had a temper, impulsive, and he stands up and God uses him in a mighty way on their first church service. But how? How does he go from this fisherman to being used by God on this day uh, in front of thousands of people? What happens? Now, I think it's worth exploring. I think it's worth kind of diving into that question this morning to figure out. In order to do so, we have to go to the origin of when Peter first met Jesus, of when Peter first encountered Jesus and met him face to face. We have to go to their first day together. And what we're going to find is that Peter caught a glimpse of a specific character quality in Jesus that forever changed his life. And it's my prayer, it's been my prayer for a while on our first Sunday, that we would be changed by the same character quality that Peter saw in Jesus in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke 5, um, 1 through 11. If you need a Bible, uh, you can just raise your hand. This is kind of normal for us here at Friends Eastvale. Uh, our ushers will get one to you. I realize that this can be confusing. You can look it up on, on your phones as well or on the screens. Um, and we want people to know the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, having a physical one can be helpful sometimes. So if you need one, you can raise your hand. If not, they are, um, you can look it up on Google as well. Uh, Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. We just need, uh, Chimbo, we need one right here. Be great. Awesome. My man, EJ. What's going on, bro? Thanks for coming, man. Hey, Jamie. Good morning. Um, like, this is like a wedding day. I know everyone in the room. It's so awesome. Like, it's great. <laughs> you know, like, so good. Enough said. All right, Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. I'm going to begin reading the first three verses. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, 
The people were crowding around Jesus and listening to the word of God. Now, I can't wait to hear Jesus teach live, right? Like, that's going to be an amazing day. I mean, we have to put up with mediocre people like us. But one day in heaven, we get to see Jesus teach. Must have been an amazing teacher. Verse 2, Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, every good origin story has a setting and characters. In our passage today, the main setting is Lake Gennesaret, which is really the Sea of Galilee. Uh, who's a lake person here? Who likes the lake? Like, who's a lake person? Let me see. Who has a, who has a boat? Okay, who's a boat? Okay, okay, I see you. I see you. This is a good story for you, okay? Uh, Jesus is teaching around the lake, and um, every good story has a main character and a hero. And our story and our main character is Jesus. He's the main character. He's the hero of the story. And the supporting characters are Peter and his business buddies, Peter, uh, James and John, and they are fishermen. Um, but even though uh, Jesus is the main character of this story, the truth is Jesus wants to be the main character and hero of your story. Jesus wants to uh, be the center of all of our lives. And to put it a different way, he wants to be the leader of your life. And if Jesus were the leader of all of our lives, we would look to him for peace, for direction, for guidance, for the next steps we're to take in our life. And if he were the leader in our life, we would do what he tells us to do. We would listen to him and follow, and we wouldn't do it out of religious duty or guilt, but out of a genuine desire, out of his grace, which is what we find more about Jesus in his life. But for Jesus uh, to be the leader of our life, we have to know enough to follow him and to trust him. At this point in Peter's life, Peter doesn't know enough about Jesus to trust in Jesus, not enough to let him lead his life for sure. Um, Peter had just probably seen him around, maybe around the lake teaching or around the town teaching, and I'm sure he had wondered, Man, who, is, who is this guy, Jesus? He probably didn't know enough to figure out who he really was. And uh, I imagine that is true for a group like this today, that there might be some people here today who don't know a whole lot about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him, like Peter had, from being around town or you saw something about him on a documentary or a TV show, and, uh, but you don't really know him. You don't really know enough about him. Peter must have wondered as he was around that lake, who is this Jesus guy teaching this large crowd? And that is a question we want everyone to be asking themselves here at Friends Eastfeld, no matter where you are in the spiritual spectrum. If you are new to this, or you've been in this church Christianity thing for a long time, we want you to ask the question over and over again, who is Jesus? We never want anyone to grow tired of that question, who is Jesus, and the answers that God wants to provide. Who is Jesus? Although Jesus wants to be the leader of our lives and the main character in our story, we have to let him lead our lives. Jesus doesn't just come into our lives and force us to follow him. He gives us a choice in the matter. But I'm sure you all know this. He does try to get all of our attention, doesn't he? He, tries, he does try to get your attention. And in my life, uh, he tries to get my attention through trials and difficulties and problems and challenges. Um, when I was 19 years old, I uh, went to college to play basketball. I grew up as an athlete, which is why I love being in this, on this property. 
And I really didn't have a whole lot of biblical like, like desire in my life, to say at least. And then I got injured in the first two months of my college career, had to sit out, red shirt is what they call it. And during that trial, that's when God got a hold of my life. That's when he spoke to me. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Have you ever um, had so many challenges in your life or problems or faced a, an issue that you wondered, is God trying to get my attention? Maybe you faced so many trials, you just started praying in your truck or your car, even though you're not even like a prayer person. You just start talking to God out of nowhere. Anyone ever do that before, right? Um, let me ask you a personal question. Have you noticed God trying to get your attention? Are you paying attention to how God is trying to get your attention? Um, God is speaking to us. He's trying to get our attention. And we need to pay attention to how he's trying to get us to notice him. Um, in verse 2, Jesus steps into one of Peter's problems. It says this, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now this is an important phrase, washing their nets. You see, in the first century, fishermen would throw out their nets into a lake um, in the evening time. Not in the daytime, in the evening time and nighttime. And they didn't do a reel. You know, it wasn't like a, a fishing rod. It was a big net. And they threw it out at nighttime. And in the morning, they would pull the net up early on and take the fish out and then clean their nets and prepare them for another attempt later that evening. And we know from the passage that Peter and his friends had already pulled up the net from the previous night's attempt. And in verse 5, it tells us they caught nothing. They had caught nothing. And now they're sitting at the, at the net, cleaning it, getting ready for another attempt. These fishermen were likely discouraged. I mean, every fisherman is kind of always discouraged, right? But um, they were really discouraged on this day. And they were facing a tremendous problem. They wouldn't make any money on this day. Uh, they wouldn't be able to go sell fish at the market and make the day's wage. Uh, and I can imagine Peter. Sitting at the net, you know, he doesn't have to fix a whole lot, but he's definitely sitting there looking at it, getting it ready for another attempt. And I'm sure he's thinking in his mind about a problem. How am I going to feed my children today? How am I going to put food on the table for my family? We know Peter had kids from what the Bible tells us later on. I'm sure all of us have been there before. When we lose a job or when we don't get the job or when a bill comes and we can't pay it. And we don't know where the money is going to come from. I'm sure we all can relate to that. And it's in moments like these that our problems take center stage. They kind of absorb all of our attention. They become like almost the main hero of our lives. They absorb everything. But our problems are not intended to take our attention. They are intended by God to direct our attention. Our problems and our trials are intended by God to direct our attention back to him. And so Jesus now begins to teach. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus sees Peter's boat, and he says to him, hey, can I sit in your boat, like maybe 10 feet offshore, and um, teach from it so everybody can hear me from the water? And Peter says, sure. Um, that's cool. Verse 4, when Jesus had finished teaching, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. Now, every good story has a plot to it. And we've arrived at the plot for our story. And here's the plot of this Bible story. It's this. Will Peter do what Jesus asked him to do? Will Peter do what Jesus asked him to do? But guess what? That plot 
is the same plot for all of our lives. Will all of us do what God asks us to do? Will you do whatever God asks you to do? Friends Church Eastvale, will you do whatever God asks of you? Because he's going to ask us to do some things, right? That's the plot of this church. In the very early stages of this church, we kept on asking God, God, what's the next thing you want from us? God, what are you saying? What are you speaking? And what's the next thing you have for us to do? Because it was too overwhelming to go from the pandemic in 2020 to this, honestly. So we just kept on taking the next step. God, this is what you're saying. We're taking the next step. And we kept on doing that until we arrived here, right here. You see, God is going to ask you to take some crazy, faith-filled steps in your life. Most of the Bible, actually, is filled with stories of people who God says, will you do something that requires a lot of faith? It's going to take faith-filled steps. And God's going to ask that a lot of us here at Friends Church Eastville. We at Friends, we like taking big faith steps. Amen, Matthew? Right? We do. He's going to ask us of that. Just a minute earlier, Jesus goes to Peter, verse 3. He says, hey, can I borrow your boat? Peter sees the crowd. He has the boat. He sees Jesus. Doesn't require a whole lot of faith. Like, it's right there in front of him. But now in verse 4, Jesus says to Peter, hey, after not catching anything, let's go to the deep water and let's drop the nets for a catch. This is an insane request. Peter didn't catch anything earlier that night, and they know that the fish don't bite in the daytime. They like to hover at the bottom of the lake. In Peter's eyes, this is a request bound for failure. We get a window into Peter's mindset when it says in verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night long, and we haven't caught anything, right? Peter goes all negative on Jesus. He makes up excuses. He won't trust. And God is going to ask us to take some big steps of faith, and it will not always make sense at the time. And you and I will be tempted to make up excuses. We'll be tempted to go all negative on Jesus, like pessimistic, give all the reasons why not. Hey, I want you to go start a Bible study at lunchtime at your workplace. God, that is going to lead to my being fired. I know it. <laughs> no way. Hey, I want you to go to your neighbors in your neighborhood. Invite them over for dinner. Get to know them, even if they think and act differently than you. No, no, no. That's going to be awkward, God. Like, that's going to lead to a lot of weird things in my neighborhood. For Chris and I, it was, hey, would you go plant a church in the Inland Empire during the middle of a pandemic? And our response was, uh, no, we don't really want to. <laughs> Some of you know the story. We wanted to go to Huntington Beach and surf with Jesus out there. You know, that's what we wanted. We went out there, there was no peace. Because that's what happens. God will give you peace or no peace. Then we had like 30 families moved to Meridian, Idaho. I know who you are, okay? And um, to Boise. And we went out there, we were going out there to vacation anyway, so we headed out there to see some people we knew. And they were like, isn't it great here? And we're like, no, it's not great. <laughs> we don't love it. We're going back to California. So we, we, we arrived in California back from our trip, and Matthew goes, hey, you should check out the Inland Empire. Uh, something's going on out there. We got to check out. So Chris and I go to East Brew Cafe right here in town, owned by Letty. If you know Letty, go, go support her. She's awesome. She's been a blessing to this church in more ways than none. And, um, and we sit down, and we had a peace come over us. And here we are today. 
Let's look at how Peter responds to Jesus, verse 5, the end of it. But Peter ends up saying, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. But because you say so, Lord, I will let down the nets. Can we all say that phrase together out loud? Because you say so, Lord, I will. One more time. Because you say so, Lord, I will. Just, just for me, one more time. Because you say so, Lord, I will. All God is looking for from your life is a yes. Every day you wake up, all he wants from you is a yes. Yes, God. Like, I, don't, I know the circumstances of my life. I know there's some circumstances in your life. I can't imagine all that's going on in this room. All God wants from you is to wake up and say, I want a yes to your agenda, God. Yes to your agenda. Yes to what you want from me. That's all God ever asks. That's the most simple version of Christian faith. Yes to God. And let's see what happens once they drop the net. Verse 6 and 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. What was the result? What happened? The empty boat is filled with fish. It's so full of fish that they call James and John, their buddies, over. And then they say, hey, man, there's leftovers. Come on over. Let's go. And they filled their boat up so full that it begins to sink. You see, your obedience and launch team, let me speak to you for a moment. Your obedience and anyone here today to plant this church and obey God will lead to other people being blessed as well, not just yourself. There are more people in this area, but we already know there's more people, who, who need a life-giving church for themselves. There's more ground to be taken. There's more people who need to operate from the graciousness of Jesus and not the rule of religion. There are more foster families and foster kids that need to be cared for in this area. You see, your obedience to be here today and trust God to help plant this church isn't just for your blessing, it's also for the blessing of other people. There will be an overflow. There will be leftovers for others. Now, this wasn't a good catch. This wasn't a catch of a lifetime. This was a Cooper Cup miracle catch. <laughs> at the, at, the, at the, the touchdown, Rams fans, just, just to get to know each other, I am a Tom Brady, former Tom Brady now, I guess, right? Patriot guy, just so you know, no one, no one throw a stone at me, okay? Uh, but go Rams, I'm, I'm all about that. Um, miracles in the Bible happen, and they happen still today. And they reveal the greatness of God in a very tangible way in our life. Often miracles happen in the midst of a personal problem. A marriage that's on the brink of divorce gets reconciled. Uh, uh, somebody who's uh, diagnosed with cancer uh, gets miraculously healed. A bill that you can't pay. Some friend comes and drops off a check that you didn't even know was going to happen or not. That day in the boat, Peter experienced a miracle. He got to see God's greatness right in the boat in the face of Jesus. And we believe that God will do miracles in this church, not because, listen up to this, not because we want to see the supernatural, but because God wants us to see his greatness. That's the reason why he wants to do miracles. It's not just for us. It's so we can go, oh, wow, God's amazing. We've already seen a few in this church. Do you remember Trunk or Treat? It's pretty cool. 4,000 people showed up, and we were ready for 100, okay? It was insane. We're like, what are we doing? And God, God multiplied the candy, like, over and over again. I, uh, I want to share one personal one with you, a story, uh, uh, with my friend EJ. 
uh, right here, my man. And EJ and I met when we were first beginning to plan this church. I know the TVs are hard to see. You hear the audio. I'm sorry. We'll post it on Instagram so everyone can watch it. But um, we want to show this little story of how EJ and I met, a little story between us. We kind of go back and forth and share about the moment we connected and what God did. It's a great little story. And so uh, watch the screens up front here. Amen. So EJ is right here, man. Grateful for you, bro. Jamie. Um, that's a miracle story. And, uh, but each one of you here is a miracle story. For this to happen is incredible. Um, how does Peter respond the moment this miracle happens and the greatness of God is seen? Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Free and all his uh, companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, Simon's partners. Simon, or Peter, uh, sees the greatness of God, and he sees Jesus, and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm sinful. Uh, God got his attention, and he humbled Peter, and Peter got a glimpse of who Jesus was. You see, Peter knew that he almost missed it that day in the boat. He knew in his heart that he didn't really think anything was actually going to happen. He thought it was just going to go down and come up and no fish. As an expert fisherman, what Peter knew about fishing almost got in the way of the greatness of God. Peter almost let his fishing problem take his attention rather than direct his attention in faith to Jesus. And so he says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. He knows his heart. And so it's so easy, isn't it, to uh, let something interfere with trusting in Jesus, right? Um, the Bible calls it unbelief. Uh, the Bible also calls it pride. Um, there's a man that I admire, C.S. Lewis. Uh, you've probably heard of him before. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia series. And for most of his life, he was an atheist, uh, kind of agnostic. And uh, he, he was that way because at an early age, his uh, mother died of a disease. And he thought, there's no way I can believe in God if he's that way, if he allows people to suffer. And so he was an agnostic, atheist. And then at age 35-ish, he began to read the Bible and uh, talked to his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, who created the Lord of the Rings series. And at 2 in the morning, uh, Lewis and Tolkien run a walk in Oxford, and Lewis put his faith in Christ, and his life was changed. And he wrote this quote after what happened and thinking about that moment. He said this, As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Right? Pride is always looking down on things. And doesn't that perfectly describe Peter? Like, Lord, it's not going to happen, looking down on it. But it also describes all of us in a way as well, doesn't it? What might be interfering with you directing your attention and trust to Jesus? Is it pessimism? Is it going negative? Is it, uh, uh, you know, a trauma that hasn't been healed? Is it uh, fear? Is it a lack of prayer? Is it a lack of really knowing the Bible? Is it a lack of even for us Christians in here who really know the Bible, obeying the Bible? I want to return to that question at the very beginning. How did Peter get to this moment to speaking in Acts? How did he go from this moment where he falls on his knees and says, I'm, I'm nothing, Lord, to when God uses him? What happened? What happened in his life? Now, here it is. He got an image and a picture of the greatness of God that day in the boat. Peter got a, a, a glimpse 
of the greatness of God. As he was looking at Jesus in the face, he got a glimpse of the greatness of God, and it forever changed his life. From that point on, he's like, dude, I am in the presence of the divine here. Now, Peter had a long journey to go through. He had a lot of things going on in his life, but God changed his heart at that point, and he saw the greatness of God. And so, friends, church, God wants to reveal his greatness to each one of us as well. He wants us to get a glimpse of the greatness of God. He wants you to see his greatness. And I just want to tell you the most important part of today, and the thing that's closest to my heart, is that today you can see the greatness of God. You see, Peter saw the greatness of God in the boat, but we here today can see the greatness of God in the cross where Jesus died. You see, the hero of the story, Jesus, gave his life on the cross to reveal the greatness of the love of God for each person here. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that a person lays their life down for their friends. Jesus, the hero of the story, the guy who's like, come follow me. He ends up giving his life on the cross, dying for us in our place. And today we say to you that the place that we see the greatness of God, the greatness of the love of God is through Jesus on the cross where he gave his life for us, where he gave his life for our pride and our unbelief and our fear and our judgment of other people and our hatred and our worry and all the things that get in the way of doing what God wants us to do. Jesus died for all of those things. Like I said, for most of my life, I wanted nothing to do with Christianity. It was all rules to me. And uh, when I read the Bible, sorry, mom and dad, I read Revelations and I was like, what in the world is this? <laughs> what am I reading? I get to college, age 19, to play basketball. I get injured, I begin to read the Bible. And I read it cover to cover. And I got to Jesus, and I thought, this guy's different. This guy is different. And I went to a church plant. I went to the preview service, and then I went to the church plant called the Rock Church in San Diego. And I got a Miles McPherson, former L.A. Charger, preached the gospel. I was 19 years old. Um, and I found the greatness of the love of God for me in the cross. And my life was humbled, just like Peter's was, when I found how much God actually loved me in my life. The passage concludes, verse 10 and 11. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Peter says, go away. Jesus is like, no, you can't get rid of me, bro. Like, I'm here. Like, don't be afraid. I'm here. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is grace. Jesus doesn't abandon Peter. He's not like, yep, you're, you're nothing. Like, doesn't matter what you've done. You're, he's, Jesus pulls up a chair and says, I want to show grace to you. And he does it in Peter's life. Peter, at this moment, confesses humility to Jesus, and he makes Jesus the leader of his life. Jesus now gives Peter a purpose. He says to Peter, you will now fish for people. Jesus replaces Peter's fishing problem and replaces it with the divine purpose. Remember that first message that Peter gave in Acts 2, right? Let me read to you the words he said again. Peter said this in Acts 2 at his sermon. Let me explain this to you, everyone. Jesus of Nazareth, the guy at the lake, was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. You think Peter's thinking of the miracle in the boat that day when he says that in his sermon? I think so. I think all the other miracles he did. And we're going to talk more about that in this church. God raised Jesus to life, and we're witnesses of it. Peter saw it. With many of the words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, and those who received Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to the number that day. What Peter did on that first Sunday was fulfill 
what Jesus told him to do in the boat. He was no longer throwing nets out for fish. Peter was throwing out the net of God's love for people. And that's what I want to do right now for us, for you. Uh, Friends Church, will you, because of the greatness of the love of Jesus, believe? It says in the passage, receive and believe. They receive Peter's message. Believe in Jesus, the one who died on the cross, rose from the grave for you so that you would know the greatness of his love. doesn't matter what you've done. He invites us in. Friends, church, will you, because of God's greatness of love, will you take faithful risks? She's like, I'm in. Yeah, let's go. Um, Will you take faithful risks and say, because you say so, Lord, I will? And friends, church, Eastville, will you live for the greatness of God in your life? It all begins by receiving Jesus as Savior and making him the Lord of your life. Thank you.